Um, one of the ways that I want us to begin thinking through this is thinking about what's known as reaction videos. It's kind of a thing that in the last 10 years or so, it's become a worldwide phenomenon. If I were to ask some, like in this room, you know, if you maybe meet an age where you're like over a certain age, and I say, what's your favorite reaction channel? You're probably like, what in the world do you even mean by that? But if I were to ask like our sons that, they would probably have a pretty long list of YouTubers that they enjoy watching and seeing react to certain things. Uh, the whole phenomenon of, of watching other people do things, specifically watching them react to things. Um, you know, this being uh, Christmas Eve, many are anticipating maybe opening a present or two. And I know as a, as a parent, one of the things I'm looking forward to doing is watching reactions from our boys. That's one of the great pleasures of being a parent. I'm assuming same thing with a grandparent, seeing the way that some react to some kind of gift they're given. But that's not just something that's done in homes on a day like that where presents are open. It's such a big deal. We enjoy watching people react to things so much that it's a, a multi-billion dollar industry where we will watch people react to things. Maybe they you know, react to listening to a song for the first time or some react to playing a game for the first time. I saw a video not long ago. Look, I'm, I'm prey to it also. I saw a video not long ago where they had older people in their 70s and 80s and they put headphones on them and put them in front of a computer and had them watch current hip-hop videos. And seeing these people react to the dancing and the lyrics and... Their reactions were pretty, pretty startling, pretty enlightening. And we'll watch those things. We see the way people react as we think about, I can connect with that. I know what they're feeling. I know what it is to, to see things and feel things and experience them. Let me tell you how big a deal this is, watching people react. In 2020, that was just a few, well, all the way back in 2020, a young man about nine years old by the name of Ryan let me get the numbers correct. In 2020, Ryan, nine-year-old Ryan, made $30 million. His parents, by licensing and merchandise, made over $200 million by Ryan just having a channel where he opens toys and plays with them. And they made millions. Because we watch. We like watching people react to things. And it's with all of this in mind, it's with these reactions in mind, it's with the phenomenon of reaction videos in mind, that I was thinking to myself, you know, if we flip through the pages of Scripture, one of the things that we are doing is we are observing people react, especially when it comes to certain things that Jesus did and certain, certain things that Jesus said. We're reading there in the pages of the way people reacted to things Jesus did. And then we are, by extension, to ask ourselves, how would I react in such a situation because if one of the things because there's been a lot of scientific research done on this academic papers written on the whole reaction video phenomenon and the experts tell us we as human beings like connecting with people we like seeing people react in an unscripted kind of way we like seeing genuine surprise 
We even like seeing sadness. We like, we connect with that. We like seeing people react. And so what you and I need to do is we need to turn to the pages of Scripture, read those encounters that Jesus had with other people, see the way they reacted, and then ask ourselves, reflect upon that and say, how do I react? When I think about the birth of Jesus, when I think about the death of Jesus, when I think about the resurrection of Jesus, when I think about the, the claims that Jesus made, how do I react to that? Because the reactions of people in Scripture are telling. So let's think through that together. Because you and I need to be concerned about the ways that we react to Jesus. So we're going to look some, at some significant moments in his life. Uh, some significant things, how we react to. And so let's start with reacting to his birth. Because as you can imagine, news that a king was going to be born would be huge. Especially if this was not just going to be any ordinary king, but the king of kings. A king who was prophesied from centuries before. There would be people who would be anxious to see him, excited to see him. There would be others who would be scared. Some who would be angry that this, that this new king was, was coming on the scene. And so let's start in Luke chapter 2. And what I want you to, to read with me here in Luke 2 is we're going to see that the reactions of some was celebration. Luke 2, let's start reading at verse 8. Luke 2, 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They were told a message of great news. They went and saw it for themselves. And their reaction was not only to be impressed, not only to be thankful, their reaction was to go and tell others. And then the reaction of the others was they were in a state of wonder as well. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Same account from a different vantage point, a different historian. In Matthew 2, look at verse 10. When they saw the star, this is speaking of the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Their reaction was one of great, great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, they offered gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. For, the, for some people, the birth of Christ meant celebration. It meant thanksgiving. It meant, it, worship, it meant worship. It meant all these good things because they were realizing that the prophecies made from so long before were being fulfilled. And this was the beginning of something brand new. This was the beginning now of a, of a new era. This was the beginning now of a time that fulfilled prophecy and would bring the church of Jesus and bring hope and salvation to all mankind. 
But not everybody saw it that way. Not everybody reacted with joy. Not everybody reacted with worship. Some reacted with anger. Some with murder. Right here in Matthew 2, look at verse 16. Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He wanted them to come back to him and tell him where this king was. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region, all those who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. You see, for some, Jesus coming to the earth meant they were going to have to bow their knee. You see, this meant submission now. This was a king. And so like it says in Philippians 2.10, going back to Isaiah 45, verse 23, the arrival of the king means our submission, means we must bow the knee and confess with the mouth. And so because so many want to remain ruler of their own lives, so many refuse to submit to another, especially one who will make the claims that Jesus will, like we'll see in a minute. They refused. Some will say, there's no way I'm bowing the knee to that one. There's no way I'd ever give in to that one. And so what about us? When we see that some react to the birth with joy, some react to the birth with anger and pain, what's our reaction to the news about the birth of the king? Are we thankful? Do we celebrate and do we worship? What we need to see in this is that we need to reflect upon this, consider the things that are written here in, in Matthew 2 and in Luke 2. And we need to be the kind of people who come before the one who is the King of Kings and bow before the one and give thanks for the one who came to reveal all grace and truth. As it says in John chapter 1, when Jesus took on flesh, he came to reveal to us and show to us all glory, grace, and truth. What's our reaction to his birth? But then there's this. We go to the, the other end of Jesus' life on this earth and not just his birth, but his death. His birth in Bethlehem, his death in Jerusalem. Because I know that it worked, the way that it works for me, and you're probably very similar. When you hear that someone you love has passed away, it elicits an, a reaction. I know that just thinking my own, my own personal thoughts, knowing about people that I have loved when they've passed away, it absolutely causes emotions, reactions, pain. But I also noticed that it was very local. It kind of just bothered my house. Nobody wrote about it on the news. Nobody reported it. There wasn't any kind of national mourning in any other places. It was just us. We commiserated together, just our little family. Now other people, other people pass and it makes worldwide news. It's terrible to think in these ways, but I recall it wasn't that long ago when News broke that Osama bin Laden was dead. Washington, New York at Times Square, there's people pouring in to celebrate his death. You think of others, you think of celebrities, uh, Lady Di, Elvis. Even recently, Matthew Perry, when celebrities die, people go and start placing flowers and together in big groups start to mourn together even though they never met these people. Some people's death elicit a widespread response. 
when Jesus died, I would submit to you that it brought about basically three reactions. There were some that felt great, great sorrow. Let's, let's read about them. Go to Luke 23. Luke 23. Starting down at verse 26. So Luke 23, 26. They led him away. This is they're taking Jesus to the cross or taking Jesus to Calvary. They seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country, laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. There followed with him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Go over to, to John chapter 20. Look at the reaction of sorrow here. Look at John 20, starting verse 11 together. John 20, verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb of Jesus. And as she wept, she, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus was laying, one at the head and, and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was him. She didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Well, so supposing him to just be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. She was filled with sorrow. Even before, as they were just leading Jesus to Calvary, there were hearts that were overflowing in pain. We can read in John chapter 14 where maybe there weren't any, any tears shed. It's recorded in John 14. But as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death, for his departure, they are all anxious and they're upset. And they're saying, where do we go now? What do we do next? And so the death of Jesus brought about great sorrow for some. But then there were others. The death of Jesus didn't mean a whole lot. You know, when you're in the business of death and you don't think that Jesus is the Christ anyway, he's, his death is just one more death among many. Look at, look at Pilate's reaction. Go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Read this famous line with me in verse 25. So Matthew 27, 25. Actually, it's verse 24, I'm sorry. Matthew 27, verse 24. Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing. Remember, he said, look, this guy's innocent. I don't see any reason to execute him. But he's not getting anywhere with the crowd. So he sees that he's gaining nothing. He's not making any headway. And rather, a riot is beginning. And so he took water, brings this, this basin out in front of the people for this big show. He brings water out and he washes his hands before the crowd and he says, look, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then John 19, 22. John 19, 22. John 19, 22. He says, because they're begging, look, don't write, he's the king of the Jews. Say he made this big claim. We don't, we don't agree he's our king. And Pilate just says this, look, what I've written, I've written. I'm going to wash my hands of this. 
I'm not changing anything else. I don't care. Just go deal with it so I can move on to other things. I've got a busy day ahead of me. Lots of, lots of paperwork to do. Lots of other people to incarcerate and injure. You go deal with this guy. Jesus' death was just one more death. He was indifferent. Washed his hands and said, I don't care. How many of us? One last reaction. What about a reaction of, of satisfaction to Jesus' death? Matthew 27. We were reading this a minute ago. But let's continue here. Matthew 27. Look at verse 25. Matthew 27, 25. After Pilate said, you see to it yourselves, the people answer him, his blood be on us and our children. This is what we want. We want his death. Drop down to verse 39. Matthew 27, 39. Those who passed by, so here's Jesus hanging on the cross with each thief on either side of him. And people, this is in a very high traffic area. They put the crosses in a place where lots of people would walk by. Maybe you and I could imagine it this way, putting it right down there on the square, right out in front of the, uh, of the courthouse, right there on the square, where so many cars circle by each day. That's where these crosses are. And the foot traffic was heavy, and so there it says, those who passed by derided him, wagged their heads, and they said, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the Son of God, then come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders, they mocked him, saying, he saved others. He can't even save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and then, then we'll believe in him. He trusts God, so let God deliver him now. If he, if God the Father so desires him, for he had said, I'm the Son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him, they also reviled him in the same way. So think about this. The same event, Jesus dying on the cross. Some were destroyed. Their hearts were broken. They were up in arms. They couldn't stand to see Jesus treated this way. It broke them. Others didn't care. They wanted to wash their hands and move on to other things. Others were so happy. They relished in the time of, of taunting Jesus. They relished in that time of being able to, to tease him. They were so thankful he was dying. So what about us? What's our reaction to the death of Jesus? Are we, are we touched with, with sorrow? Because especially when we know that it's because of us that he had to die, we should be. When we know that it's because of our death that, that he had to go to the cross, that's what it says in places like Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. We were the enemies. We were the sinners. We were the ones who, who were dead and doing things wrong that caused him to go to the cross to save us. We should be stricken with the reality and the ugliness of not just sin in general, but our sin in particular. The death of Jesus should elicit a heartfelt reaction of grief over our sin and the death of Jesus should elicit a heartfelt reaction of gratitude that we are loved so perfectly so wonderfully so amazingly what's your reaction to the death of Jesus but then there's this I can barely imagine it takes all of the the creativity that, that God has blessed me with it takes everything I can do to imagine the faces of the disciples upon seeing the risen Jesus. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine? Can't you just see the looks? Maybe you've got, if you're like me, maybe it's kind of weird. I don't know, but I've got images in my mind. And this was way before the chosen ever came along. But I've got images of my mind of what Peter looked like. Just from, just from reading the account, just from reading the history and scripture, I've got this image of Peter. Not very much like the one on the chosen, but that's all right. And so in that image, that image I've had of Peter for so many years now, I imagine the way he looked the first time he saw Jesus. After he knew, he knew he was dead. He knew all the things they'd been through. He knew what had happened. And then he sees him, and he eats with him, and he, and he touches him, and he hears him speak again. What would his reaction have been? You think a reaction on, on YouTube is great? I would have wanted to see those reactions to the risen Jesus. Can you imagine? Like in John chapter, here's the understatement of all understatements. John 20, verse 20. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. If that's not an understatement, I don't know what is. They were, I would imagine they were losing it. John 20, 20 says they saw the risen Jesus and they believed it changed everything. And so here's, here's some different reactions that we see in Scripture. The one that, that Jeremy read for us, I'm so thankful for that, that reading and, and that, that message there that shared for us, preserved for us from history. That when Thomas, the one who said, I need to see it because I know he's dead. And I know what happens to dead people. Dead people stay dead. That's just what happens. And so for you to tell me that he's alive, I need, to, I need to see the guy with the scars. I need to see it. I need to hear from him. I need to be able to hold on to him myself. Otherwise, there's no way in the world you'll convince me that a dead guy's alive now. And so when he saw, remember those words there? He sees Jesus and he says, my Lord and my God, you are the one. I know now that everything you've said was true i know now that everything you predicted will come to pass i know that everything about you is true and genuine and life-giving and glorious you're my lord and my god matthew chapter 28 read this the reaction of mary and the other women in matthew 28 starting at verse 5 matthew 28 5 the angel there in the empty tomb says to the women do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said. So come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee, and you will see him. See, I've told you. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. And listen to verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. And what'd they do? How'd they react? They came up and they took hold of his feet. They fell before him, took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. Their reaction was, was the kind of reaction that should be elicited when you see the one who said, I'm the son of God. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die, but on the third day be raised. And then there he is, fall before him in worship. They were then reacting with, with great hope and love and joy. But there's others. You see right there in Matthew 28, there's some who react to the resurrection of Jesus with just what we might just call fear. Matthew 28, verse 11, says some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Remember the guard who was supposed to be guarding the tomb. They're supposed to make sure nobody comes in. And they didn't have to worry about anybody going out, they thought. 
They wanted to make sure nobody came in and tampered with what was in there. But now they see there's an empty tomb. And so they go to the chief priests and tell them what's happened. And they, they assembled with the elders and took counsel. And they gave sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people that his disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money as they had been directed. And then this was a story that was spread among the Jews. They knew that their time was up. They were certain that they were going to be punished for having lost this body. They were afraid. But what's your reaction? What's your reaction to the news that, that Jesus has conquered death and lives? What's your reaction to the news that Jesus walked out of the tomb conquering death, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and mediates and intercedes for us even now? It should be a, a reaction of, of great joy that we have a home in heaven, gratitude that death doesn't have the final word, and hope, hope that there's a place without pain, and without suffering. That should be our reaction to the resurrection of Jesus. But then there's this, finally. The reaction to the claims that Jesus made. I wonder how it is that you react to, to outrageous claims that, that people make. I don't know, there's a lot of different ways to approach this, I guess. For years and years and years, I can remember advertisements. Just take this pill. Take this pill and you'll lose weight in five seconds and you'll just be you know, the picture of health. Just take this pill. Don't change your diet. Don't need to exercise. Don't just take this pill. It's all you need. It's a pretty outrageous claim. What about those that, that say, here's a way without doing much at all, you can get rich quick? Well, there's all kinds of claims, right? Claim after claim after claim. What if somebody came along and said, here's what I want you to know I'm the Son of God? If someone came along and said, I'm divine, how would you react to that? Well, I think you would probably be very concerned. You might, you might laugh. You might feel pity. You might need to make a few phone calls. You might be concerned about this person if they, were said, if they said they were divine. And the, the Jews, they didn't think Jesus was the one. And so when Jesus made claims like, I am, I'm the eternal one, I am the son of God, they reacted with anger and wanted to kill him. Go with me to John chapter 8. Read this with me in John 8. We're going to read John 8 and John 10. In John 8, this is what happens. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. See, that, that statement, I am, is reserved for God. When Moses stood before the burning bush and he said, Well, if I go before Pharaoh, if I go before the people of Israel, who should I tell them sent me? Who are you? And the Lord said, you tell them I am sent you, the eternal one, the everlasting one. You tell them I am sent you. And so Jesus says here, before Abraham was ever even born, hundreds of years ago, before Abraham was, I am. Clearly, Jesus is making a claim to divinity. Clearly, Jesus is claiming to be the son of God. How'd they react to that? They picked up stones to throw at him. They wanted to murder him on the spot. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Go over a couple of pages. Scroll up to John 10. In John 10 at verse 30, listen to this. John 10 verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. That may not sound too terrible to you, too offensive to you, but when Jesus the Christ said, I and the, the Father and I, we're one. Everybody there understood Jesus is, again, making a claim 
to being divine. He's making a claim to being the Son of God. How'd they react to it? Look at verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. How dare you say you're the Son of God? How dare you? Jesus didn't look like or act like what they thought the Messiah was going to look like and act like. They had different ideas for what the Messiah was supposed to be about. They thought he was going to come in on the white horse and, and powerfully and, you know, romantically with the, the idea of great storytellers. He was going to come in and just kick the bad guys out, push Romans out of the area and, and reestablish a great kingdom from Israel. That's what the Messiah is going to do. And so when this guy comes along, humble, looking like others, suffering, they said, this can't be him. You're not him. And so when Jesus says, I'm the son of God, what he's saying is, you have to listen to me. When he says, I'm the son of God, what he's saying is, I'm the one who has the authority to tell you how things have to be. And they didn't want to hear it. Jesus made claims all through, not just about himself, but he made claims of what others had to do. I'm reminded of Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22 with the rich young ruler. Remember, here's this young man that's in love with the material things of this world. And Jesus says, here's the claim I make on your life. You got to stop being in love with things and get rid of them and follow me and didn't follow Jesus. When Jesus said, stop being in love with material things and follow me, he went away. Sorry. Some people react to the claims that Jesus makes with anger. Some people react to the claims that Jesus makes with dismay because they say, that's not something I'm willing to do. I'm not willing to give you this much time, Lord. I'm not willing to give you this energy, Lord. I'm not willing, you to, give, willing to give you my life. I'm not willing. But then there's this. Go to John 6, and this is where we'll end. John 6. In John 6, we're going to see that the disciples react to the claims that Jesus makes with submission. They react to his claims with submission. John 6, 66. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. So Jesus says to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? But listen to what Peter says in verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That should be our reaction as well. When Jesus says, I am the Son of God and I make claims upon your life, that I tell you, like it says in Luke 13, 3, Jesus says, unless you repent, you will die in your sins. Jesus made this claim on your life too, John 3, 3 to 5. Unless you are born again, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus makes claims on our lives. He first of all claimed to be the Son of God. And then he says, because I'm the Son of God, I make claims on you also. And what you must do is confess with the tongue and bow the knee to me. Submit to the claims I make on your life. So maybe that's today you need to confess that Jesus is the Christ, repent of your sins, and be washed in the blood. Maybe it's the case you need to, to be one who says, I have stumbled and fallen, I've failed, and I need to be restored to the one who makes these claims on my life. Consider your reactions to Jesus. Let's be thankful for his birth and worship him. The king has arrived. Let's be touched by his death and be mindful of our sin and his love for us. Let's be encouraged by his resurrection and let's, let's live with hope. 
and let's be changed by his claims and submit to him. How will you react to Jesus? He calls you even this minute while together we, we stand and we sing.